Welcome to the Obey Podcast, where we see through mainstream narrative. No propaganda, no bullshit, just the truth. And now, here's your host, Matthew Keck. and welcome to the first episode of the Obey Podcast of 2021. Thank you for tuning in. So I want to start this year on a on a rather passionate note. Um, there's a lot I want to talk about, and I have a few episodes queued up, and some of them are more technical than others, but this one I think is, is uniquely timely, at least in what I've been seeing lately in the last few weeks online. Um, and this episode is going to be a, a, a little bit more um, f- familiar for people who consider themselves online. So people who find themselves on Libertarian Twitter or people who consider themselves like LP insiders. There's been a lot of talk about how the Libertarian Party should position itself going forward after Joe Jorgensen's 2020 run that a lot of people would probably consider largely unsuccessful even relative to Gary Johnson's performance in 2016. And, and Gary Johnson, in him, in of himself, he had a, a slew of his own problems. Um, and that's what we're going to kind of dive into. But I, I, I guess the starting point is I find myself on Twitter, and I'm surrounded by people who, to some extent, I would I would unfortunately have to describe them as what I would I would think are blue-pilled libertarians. Um, so, so when I say they're blue-pilled, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong on the issues, but I think that I think a good example of a blue pill libertarian is Justin Amash. So Justin Amash, um, he he thinks his ultimate job is to uphold the Constitution, and he thinks everything the left and right wing um, does is against the Constitution. And I don't think he's wrong on any of these issues. The issue is his actions are through this framework of what what is an allowable, acceptable action, and what what is decent. So all of his rhetoric, all of his phrasing, all of his actions are done in this way that is very standard for a politician. He isn't trying to really break any boundaries. He's more just a normal guy who's kind of complaining like another politician, and he's not really doing anything. And he isn't calling people out for being immoral. He's more saying what you guys want to do is against the Constitution, and we should be trying to uphold this and that. And um, so I, I, I guess the way that I would look at it is he is a good person when you want somebody to espouse policy positions, but he isn't a bulldog. He's not a person who is out there saying, you're the enemy, you're a bad person, you're supporting tyranny, you're supporting theft, and you're hurting people's lives. He's not there doing that. He instead is going about things in a very professional way that I find um, not satisfying. So when Joe Jorgensen ran for president, she was kind of similar in tone, right? So she was explaining policy positions. She was explaining how um, libertarian policies are better for people on average and, and things like this and why freedom is something we should strive for. But she was willing to, I guess, succumb to like the leftist mobs or the, the, the things that leftists want you to say that are decent. So when it's people talking about anti-racism and, and things that are more like politically correct, Joe Jorgensen kind of caved on that. And that, that became a whole flashpoint between 
um, the, the more typical libertarians and people who are, say, from the Mises caucus. But all that aside, I, I think the real issue is any of these politicians, even maybe Jacob Hornberger, who is considered more from the Mises caucus. I think all these people are right on the issues and they do want to abolish government, but I don't think they, they bring the tone that's necessary. Because if you come in there as a standard politician and you come in accepting Washington's rules on the floor, you're accepting this framework that's broken. When you start talking about how the overwhelming goal is to defend the Constitution, you're not talking about how the Constitution is what got us here. The misinterpretations of the Constitution happened under the Constitution because they were because the Constitution allowed itself to be interpreted in such ways that pretty much dismantled the Constitution. Now that's why I would say it's not worth defending. But you have these people accepting the framework of the status, trying to argue with status about what's more efficient, instead of really saying you guys are bad people, you guys are fascists, and because of this, I'm going to treat you as such. Um, so I, I, I think we should be looking for a type of rhetorical strategy that really undertails how radical libertarian positions are. Because libertarian positions aren't just, I want to do the X and Y incremental thing. It's not, I want to loosen up immigration slightly. If you're an anarchist and you want the government, if you think taxation is theft, you have truly radical policies. And the reason why you hold these positions, like taxation being theft, is because you think the government is a gang. So if you truly think the government is a cartel who is shaking people down every time they get a paycheck, you need to talk about them like they're a cartel. You can't just allude to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer as if they're people in, in suits that are unwittingly, you know, uh, enacting bad policies, but they're not trying to hurt people. They really want the best for, for you. No, you, you have to acknowledge that these people want to control your lives. They want to dominate you. They want to steal everything you're worth, and they're just using you f to push their agendas. They're bad people. They're evil people. And we need to be reminding people of this of all times, and we need to be telling everybody these people deserve the worst. And anytime something bad happens to them, we should be rooting it on. So when somebody, um, so, so so when something bad happens to a political official, we shouldn't feel bad about it. We should be cheering it on. These people are essentially uh, your overlords, right? They they, they 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 don't see you as people. They they they, they see you as their citizenry that they can extract wealth from. And if this is something you believe, and you believe, if you believe pretty foundational libertarian principles like taxation is theft, then you've already accepted this in your framework. And I think it's hard to argue that taxation isn't theft, considering people haven't explicitly agreed to any of the government, right? You're just born into it and forced into it. So when we come from that angle, you there's no arguing around these people being criminals. But the Libertarian Party, especially in 2016 with Gary Johnson, took took this they, they they took this roundabout way of arguing for their policies and they they more wanted the affection from the media so if you're watching mainstream news then and you come off as a radical like maybe john mcafee comes off as a wacko well then you're not getting their respect but we don't want those people's respect we don't want the the media to give us to, to to give the candidate an interview and then to act like he's a stand up person because you have to compromise so much in terms of your values because of the tone they have to portray. 
Because Gary Johnson called Hillary Clinton a public servant that was, an I think he said an extraordinary public servant, when Hillary Clinton's a warmonger who's responsible for thousands of people's death, and she wanted to uh, institute, you know, more, more regulations, more taxes, more government in your life. She, she, she is a domineering fascist that you should be disgusted with, and you should be happy the day she rolls over and dies. And there needs to be people who are willing to say that in the Libertarian Party. Um, and... And the, the reason why I say this, and I find it so concerning, is I'll see people on Twitter who are promoting an Amash-Tulsi Gabbard 2024 ticket. And it's hypothetical. It's not like Justin Amash and Tulsi Gabbard have agreed to it. But it comes from this idea that Tulsi Gabbard was the best of the Democratic Party running in 2020 because she's an anti-war candidate. That's great. She doesn't want the mass genocide of people. Um, she's also for auditing the Fed. And I, I, I'm assuming, I could be wrong about this, but I'm assuming that's because she understands the nature of being able to print your own money and war, right? So this, so this stems from her anti-war position. And uh, that's good. That, that is much better than most people, especially who are somewhat mainstream figures. But you have to remember, Tulsi Gabbard is a leftist, and that means she, she thinks that you should have your wealth exploited from you in, in favor of her big government policies. So although Tulsi Gabbard isn't trying to... Um, you know, initiate a second genocide in, a, in another Middle Eastern country, she still doesn't see you as a person. She still doesn't respect your rights to your property, your income, and your autonomy because she thinks that whatever you do, she has the right to reach into your pocket and take 30% of what you make. She's, she, she's a terrible person. So sure, you can argue, yeah, she, she's, a, you know, she's a step above these other people, and I wouldn't say you're wrong, but, you, but I, I, I don't think the Libertarian Party should be a party that, that says, hey, you know, we're going to abandon the issue that taxation is theft because we care so much about anti, anti-war positions. And, and the, the real kicker is we all know that there's no chance that the Libertarian Party ticket in 2024 wins, right? The, the, there's no chance Justin Amash will be president in 2024. There's no chance Tulsi Gabbard will be vice president in 2024 or vice versa. So why would we be compromising on our positions by putting somebody in there who's going to argue, who, who would argue for universal health care if she had the chance? Why would we put her into this position for the Libertarian Party if we know she's, if, if we know she doesn't represent our values? Um, and then people will argue, well, well, she has notoriety. We want to be a big tent group. But the thing is, you shouldn't want to be a big tent group if that means bringing in people who don't, who, who, who don't think you have a right to your own income. You don't have a right to your own stuff. You're not a person of yourself. You're a sovereign of the government. You don't want those people in the party. That, that's the DNA of the party. So all, all this language about the, these big tent ideas is, is not working for me. I, I find it I find it kind of appalling, and if this is the direction that people want to go, um, I, I won't be supporting the LP anytime soon. Um, now, when we, 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 move up, we move on from that thought of how Amash and Gabbard won't be the president come 2024 regardless, and I, I think it leads to another thought. Now, I think the Libertarian Party could be a powerful vehicle to ha- having some sort of way of communicating the libertarian ideals in an official format, but but that doesn't mean we should sell out those values. Now, with that said, I don't think that's the most successful ends of meeting our policy goals, goals or changing um, political opinion. So why why do I say that? Well, so this this is going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but I, I think the comparison I want to draw this to is I want to draw. Uh, the comparison of where I'd like to see people who consider themselves libertarians, um, the, the way I'd like to see them act, I want to compare them to 
something I'm not very fond of, which is climate activists. So in, 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 in the book Apocalypse Never by Michael Schoenberger, he talked about how he used to be a climate activist and how he doesn't really look down upon the activists because if they were right, he doesn't blame them for their actions. So you have these activists and they're, you know, stopping commuters, they're blocking freeways, they're stopping trains, and they're, they're screaming about their climate agenda. But uh, us libertarians, if you're listening to this, you probably are, are, are aware that the world isn't going to actually end in 10 years and capitalism isn't what's destroying the planet. And if anything, capitalism will probably lead to the innovations that save the planet. But that's not the point. The Greenpeace activists are not aware of this, and then they're being very obnoxious by then blocking, you know, your, your way home. But here's the thing. If you actually think the world's going to end in 10 years if people don't take action, then the least you can do is block a freeway. The, the least you could do is stop people from commuting home. So I, I think the real issue with the Libertarian Party right now is everybody I talk to that considers themselves a Libertarian will tell you taxation is theft. But if we are getting robbed and shaken down systematically every time you get a paycheck, then why aren't we acting like it? We, we, we sit here and we shrug our shoulders and we go, oh, well, that's, that's the way it is. You got, you got both parties in Washington. Neither of them think taxation is theft. So what, what, what can we really do about it? It's like, no, no. There is a cartel that is stealing, extracting billions and billions of dollars, if not trillions, it's probably trillions of dollars every year for, for, from the people without their consent. Now, this is one of the most morally abhorrent things besides the genocides that are happening around the world. So even though there are other countries that do the same thing but worse, that doesn't mean we give the people in Washington a pass. If you actually think that a third of your stuff is getting stolen, then you should be doing something about it. So it's not unreasonable to imagine a libertarian using what I just said for justification of borderline Antifa-like action, but against the state. So I'm not, I'm not openly advocating people going in and breaking the windows of their town hall, but it's kind of odd that we use such strong rhetoric, and as far as I can tell, we actually believe the strong rhetoric, yet there aren't libertarians out there vandalizing buildings. And I'm not saying that as in, oh, well, if we want to win people over, we need to vandalize the building. No, I'm more saying if we want people to actually understand what libertarians think and understand that we're serious, then there is going to be some vandalism. There's going to be some people who spit in, govern in government officials' faces and say, you're a disgusting piece of garbage because you, you think I'm subhuman. You think you can use me as a means to an end to, to gain wealth for yourself and your, um, your special interests. And so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is the Libertarian Party needs to become more radical. Uh, that's, that's the short way of putting it. We, we, we need to do we, 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 we need to take the spirit of those people who get a guillotine and go outside of Jeff Bezos' house because they think capitalism is that evil. But we need to direct that same type of anger towards the state. Because until we do that, the state's not going to care about what we have to say. We are not a big enough constituency to do anything. And the, the most lip service we'll ever get is from Republicans that pretend to be libertarians until they get into the government office. And it's like, sure, we had Justin Amash. Sure, we had Thomas Massey. But you know what? It's never going to be a, a, enough government officials to do anything for us. And we all know, if, we're, if you're listening to this, you all probably know, government begets government. The state is a parasitic force that feeds on you so it can grow itself. And it gets more powerful and it monopolizes more and more things. And it has more and more violent weapons than you'll have, even if you print tons of guns. When, when they come... They, they, they can have you can they can have society convinced that you're the nutcase and they can bring 200 people and overwhelm you with more machine guns than you could ever own in your life. So 
we need to recognize that they're the enemy. They're not going to shrink themselves, and they're 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 the they're okay. I'm tripping over myself here, but maybe you get the point. And and the the, the last thing I really wanted to address here is the non-aggression principle. Because the non-aggression principle, it, it does need to be acknowledged when I'm talking to you libertarians. And it's because I think the blue-pilled libertarian will say, I can't do, do these things because I'm against violence. That's why you're a libertarian. Well, the whole idea of the non-aggression principle isn't that you sit there and let people beat you with a stick over the head again and again and again. The whole point isn't that you just take the beating. The point is you don't initiate violence. Well, the state's been robbing you for all of your working life. The, the, the state's been keeping you from doing things you want to through all kinds of regulations. I, I'm sure you just lived through 2020, so you know about the things that you weren't allowed to do because of the government in the last year. They're the ones keeping you away from doing all this. The, state's, the state has infringed on any property right imaginable. So if anything, the non-aggression principle does not apply here. They, they have already forced themselves onto your life, taken your stuff, and slapped you in the face, and they're going to keep slapping you in the face for the rest of your life. So... And so, okay, I, I, I think I have that squared away. I know, I know that's not going to convince some people, and those people will never be convinced because they're essentially pacifists. But I don't think a lot of other people are excited about getting hit in the face again and again for the rest of their lives. So, it, But somebody needs to be saying this because what, what you need is some sort of radical action for anything to change. Now, the so a few, I guess, I guess white pills to, to, to close out my Fed posting Ted-pilled rant. Um... I just wanted to allude to a few things that kind of give me hope, and I, I think they're good examples of, I guess, the opti the optimism I see in the strategy I just suggested. So in Pennsylvania, and this is an undercovered story in the sense I don't see anybody talking about it, but I read it and I was like, that's great news. A bunch of poll workers in Pennsylvania say that they don't want to be poll workers ever again because this election was too heated and those poll workers got ridiculed by too many people during and after the elections. So I read this and I thought, this is great news. I'm so glad the right wing is crazy and they, they believe whatever conspiracy they believe because they're helping undermine democracy. And I know that this isn't something you'd want to hear from somebody like at the Cato Institute. Um, they, 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 I don't think they'd want to be associated with me for saying this, but I think democracy um, is is despicable because it gives government a cover by, by, you know, saying, well, the people put me in power. So, of course, I have the right to do X, Y and Z. Um, and we need to be undermining democracy. And one way to undermine democracy is make people not want to work in the democratic system. So if people are poll workers in a swing state that's important, and they get ridiculed, and they get threatened, and they get abused, and they don't want to be a poll worker anymore, that's a win for libertarians. These people are afraid to do the work of the state, because doing the work of the state got them screamed at, and it had people think that they were the scum of the earth. And I think if we bring a similar attitude in terms of, as Michael Miles, as my, as Michael Miles says about the media, he says his job's not done until you think of the average uh, reporter as the same as the CEO of a tobacco company. Well, that's what we should be saying about everybody who works in the government. We should want public school teachers thought of this way. Why? Because public school teachers are hurting people. Because the public school system and the public school unions and the, the lack of just available choices for people and how they keep... Uh, other alternatives from developing in different regions, those are hurting kids because it's just a cronious organization. Those people should be looked down upon. It's like, yeah, I get that you want to be a teacher because when you were 10, you liked your teacher and you thought maybe I could teach people someday and I could be an inspiration. But you know what? You're holding up an institution that hurts people. So I'm not giving you a pass. You're, you're the scum of the earth. 
So if you bring that attitude, then people will go, I don't want to work for the public school system. Everybody hates public school teachers. And then, and then you know what? The, the, then public schools have a problem because they can't get teachers. And if the public has a problem getting poll workers in Pennsylvania four years from now, that's going to be great news for us. The, the, uh, the other um, couple of stories I wanted to allude to um, is, re- is recently Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell's houses got vandalized. And, um, and then this also kind of ties in with the Portland mayor finally denouncing Antifa. And it's pretty much because they realized that the, the people who are attacking them are um, far-left activists, and those far-left activists aren't happy with them. But it would be amazing if all these red state governors had people who are libertarian or, or small government right-wingers holding them accountable in the same way Antifa tries to keep Nancy Pelosi accountable. If there was this legitimate threat that a government official would be worried that their office would be destroyed any day now because they passed another omnibus budget bill. We'd be in a better place. If your local district's office, if your local governor, or well, I guess governor's not the good word, but if your local state rep was worried that his district office would get burned down because of his policy position, that's pro-big government because they're radical libertarians, then we'd be doing something great. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're such a small minority in the political spectrum, you have to take radical action. And our beliefs justify the radical action because there are tyrants and they're going to rule your life until you do something about it. The only way I see forward for this small LP minority is, isn't is by coalition building because the American people clearly don't want to be free. They just don't. They, they, they voted for big government forever, and even though they're unhappy with how the big government works, if you pull them on issues, they always ask for more big government because they want safety, and it's because a lot of people follow the cues of what they're told, because who should take the time to learn all the things that you'd need to learn? Who, who, who is going to take the time to read human action? There's no reason for a random person to read human action. All of us have read human action. It's just because we have weird hobbies. So we can't expect the, the average people to, to get on board with our messaging. You just can't. It's not appealing to them. And that, that's what, like, we're running a Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen it is its goal. It's just we go out there and it's like, oh, okay, we have a convincing message that is true. But that doesn't win. It doesn't. But you know what would win? Is people being afraid of the libertarian minority. If people were afraid of doing things that would upset a radical minority in their town, then they'd vote against it. That's how you'd get action. Because you can't convince 50% or, or 50 plus one people in your area to do this. It's just not going to happen in our lifetimes. So I, I, I think I'm going to revert refer to that strategy as, as, as some sort of bull it's going to be like a bolshevik libertarian type crossover you need that type of re- revolutionary rhetoric or action before there's going to be any progress made and as much as the libertarian pro- party wants to play along with things and be nice and maybe and build, build a big tent it's like well you know what the best thing the big tent's going to get you is it's going to get you libertarian light and libertarian light's going to mean instead of having a three percent increase in government every year you're going to get a one percent and I'm, I'm not okay with that. So um, now, now that I put myself on every government watch list imaginable, and I just threw that in the ether so anybody can listen to this, um, I, I, I hope that's just food for thought. Because I know I'm not the only person wait, 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 I'm not the only person who's thinking this right now. The, the, there, there's Pete Quinones from Free Man Beyond the Wall. The, there's Aaron from Timeline, Time, Timeline Earth. They've talked about this a lot. This is the only way I see forward at this point. And, you know, in 2021, we can let Dave Smith and Tom Woods take over the LP, and that'll be great because they're Puritans about their message. But unless unless people are out there doing things that are crazy and abhorrent to the normies, 
then it's like, well, what's going to happen? At best, Tom Woods somehow gets like 8% of the vote. And it'd be awesome. I love Tom Woods. I listen to a lot of Tom Woods. He's great. But it's, and it would be an improvement if we got 8% of people to listen to Tom Woods and vote for him. But that's the best case scenario if you play by standard political rules. So, okay. You know what? I'm not even going to clean this up or edit it because I spit that all out there and I just want to put that out in the ether i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and this is the first one of the new year I, I'll, I'll try to bring some more analytic content about maybe economic issues or or other things i just see going on um but i just needed to go on that rant after everything i've i've been seeing the last few weeks i hope you guys enjoyed if you did please check out my next episode or check out the backlog and uh i i, I appreciate you guys listening thank you If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcatcher or share the podcast with a friend. You can find out more information about the Obey podcast at anchor.fm slash Obey podcast or on Twitter at the Obey podcast. Until next time. Next time.